Hi guys, this is Will just jumping in before we get this episode started. I know we usually don't put out multiple episodes a week, but both Grant and I felt that this needed to happen after what uh, transpired yesterday on Saturday. We're uh, very saddened here with the passing of Cole Pensick, who we were had the privilege of being joined by in this episode, so we thought uh, in his memory the best way we could honor him was to just repost this and uh, send out prayers and help to his family. So uh, we're we're praying for him. We're praying for Cole's family. We're praying for uh, everyone that he loved. He was a great player, a great guy to talk to. And uh, this is probably the best way we could honor him. So this is for Cole. And we hope that uh, his family gets all the support and help that they need. So here's the uh, interview we did with him uh, a few months ago. Welcome to How About Them Huskers. My name is Will Nutter Francesco, and I'm joined, as always, by my grandpa, Husker Dan, from Husker Max in the beautiful city of Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, grandpa, how are you doing today? Uh, great. We were just talking a little bit before uh, before we started the recording here, and uh, we go here in Nebraska, and, and Cole knows this better than anybody, Um we go from in January to being Siberia and to now we're Death Valley. And uh, I have no idea how football players can practice in this kind of stuff. Yeah, I know they have indoor facilities, but uh, but we this is our I'm going to introduce our, our guest here. This is our second. I didn't realize this, but we had Russ Hochstein last week. He's an offensive yeah. lineman. And today we got Cole Pensick and Cole. Uh, just obviously great to have him here, but he was, he played for Nebraska. He redshirted in 2009 and then played from 2010 to 2013. Um, and he is the son of Dan Pensick, who was a former Husker great. And uh, we just have a bunch of questions uh, that uh, the, the, the thing that stands out, I back when we had a worth it, <clears throat> excuse me, crap team, with his teams that he played on never lost or never won less than nine games. He had two 10 and four seasons and two nine and four seasons. What we would give for that today. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> holy, you know, um, when he was playing there, Nebraska went 38 and 16. Um, we're almost the opposite of that. We're 15 and 29. So anyhow, please welcome to our, our podcast, the, the great, uh, probably my favorite, number 62, Mr. Cole Pensick. Welcome, Cole. Thanks for thanks for having me and appreciate the introduction there. And uh, it's a pleasure to be on your podcast. Well, we're going to get, we have to get through, not have to, we're going to get through this thing. <laughs> we have, we have a, a time limit here, which is uh, uh, we don't want to, seem that we're trying to be rude right that we want we have a ton of questions and i I've, I've known cole for what how many years five six years something like yeah, that five six years yep, yep um and i you know we we chat we talk on the phone and uh, there are other questions i just you know that i don't know and our fans want to know the real cole pensick uh, <laughs> uh will do you have a question you want to ask yeah cole? yeah i'll start off so uh we like to ask all the players or just people that were around Nebraska football 
uh, in general, the, they, they come on our podcast um, the, about like what, why did you go to Nebraska versus any other school? Uh, we talked to Russ last week. He's from uh, Hardington, Nebraska. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so he was talking about how like, that's just always where he wanted to go. There was never a doubt in his mind. He was going to go anywhere else. Was that kind of the same for you with your dad being a former Husker player uh, or did there was, was there having to be like a little bit of convincing to go to Nebraska? No, I mean, uh, once I kind of realized, uh, in high school that, um, football was probably, um, my best sport, um, definitely growing up and, and being able to be around former Huskers. Um, I mean, there was definitely the love for the program already, um, Unfortunately, there was a little bit of hesitancy early because um, as I was getting recruited, it was during the Callahan era. Oh, yeah. And um, not that I would have gone elsewhere, but I definitely was open to um, other programs around the country. Um, but once Polini came in um, – fell in love with the guy. And I mean, I, I knew right away that that's, if I was offered a scholarship to go, that's, there was no doubt that I was going to go to Nebraska. Yeah. Who recruited you? Uh, well, you started with Callahan and I, I was trying to remember what well, you started off as a defensive tackle at the, at Nebraska in your redshirt year. Correct. Correct. Yep. I, uh, um, grew up in Lincoln, went to Lincoln Northeast, um, and really Coach Cotton was, um, I guess, the coach that I threw out the whole recruiting process that kind of once he was brought on with Polini and his staff, um, that's kind of who I – but, yeah, I mean, there was – there was no doubt, and once the Polini, uh, once Polini and his staff came, I mean, it was, as Dad kind of put it, it felt at the time that we were getting back to what Nebraska is known for. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. And speaking of you, so you started at defensive tackles, Greg was talking about, and then you switched over to the offensive line and played center and guard. Uh, one, what made you sw like, why did you switch from the defensive side of the ball to the offensive side of the ball? And then also playing center and guard. Uh, what, like, which one of those, do you have a favorite position for either of those? Or like, is the skill set? kind of the same I get center you have to snap the ball and then get your head up quick and be ready to block so there's a little bit faster reaction time and that kind of stuff but um what are the like is it harder to play one of those positions versus the other um you, you know I mean obviously yes I did come in as a defensive line and that's what I was even being recruited uh when Callahan was still there um I was recruited as a D lineman um, spent the my redshirt season that fall uh, on the D-line um, and had the fortunate pleasure of getting to watch Indomitian Sue his senior <laughs> year. Um, and, and just, I mean, he was just a freak of nature. I mean, just 
his pure athleticism and what he was able to do from a D uh, a D line position was unbelievable. Um, but then that spring ball that that spring, um, the coaches came um, primarily at that time. It was uh, Sean Watson as the offensive coordinator uh, at the at that time, um, and came in and asked if I would like to switch over to offense and try out center. Now in high school, I played both ways. Um, I did play guard in high school, um, and at the time, I I mean, all you want to do is play, right? So yeah, I mean yeah. if. It, it gives me a – if this is the better route for me to see the field, then I'm all in. And, I mean, they could have told me to go, you know, play safety and I would have signed up for it, but obviously I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, clear, clearly not, uh, not, not, not fast enough uh, to play that position. But um, so I switched over and I had never – even throughout my younger – you know, high school and then even like midget football, I never snapped the ball. Um, so that first spring was a very uh, sharp learning curve of learning how to snap the ball, but then also, I mean, block. <laughs> and I mean, the likes of that time, you know, Baker Steincooler, Jared Crick, um, Terrence Moore. I mean, we had some pretty good D linemen that yeah. had to go up against every you know all the time and uh so it was a very steep learning curve um but really as a center you're I don't want to say you're the smartest guy on the field but um you're 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 definitely you know because you're the captain of the offense I mean what you say the rest do so you learn what all the other guys are doing so to be able to go play guard, tackle, um, it is a little bit different stances, um, but as far as knowing what to do, um, I mean, you've already kind of got the basis of it. So, I mean, it wasn't that difficult, but um, I, I can't remember the specific team that we were playing, but I did at one point uh, play both left guard, center, and right guard in one game. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's got to be some kind of record, isn't it? It, it, it probably, I, you know, I, it's tough to say. Um, you wow. know, the toughest part at that time was we ran a silent count, if you can remember, um, where essentially the quarterback at that time, Taylor, Tommy, or Ron Kellogg, um, would – give some sort of indicating marker that we set, whether it was clap of the hands, uh, rise of the foot, drop of the hand, something. And then I, as the center would snap the ball and call hut. I mean, I, I was essentially starting the play. Um, that was the difficult part of going from center where you're doing it to then going to left guard and having to listen to now the center um, at that time would have been Mark Pellini um, to, to, to go off his cadence. And yeah, we all kind of have the same, I mean, general rule of thumb, but we're all just a hair bit different. And 
Uh, there was a few times uh, the Iowa game my senior year that I had a false start penalty. Um, I'm not going to blame anyone but myself, but <laughs> I, I, heard, I heard at that time it was a home game. So we, you know, we used the clap um, to go, you know, that was the indicating marker that Taylor and everyone was set and ready to go. And uh, yeah, I heard it and I was just a hair bit uh, quicker than what Mark wanted to be. And I've ended up false starting. So what did you have to run laps or run steps or what happened? No, you know, it, it, it was none of, uh, you know, any sort of penalty that you, you, that happened in a game. You never really, I mean, unless it was real, real egregious. I mean, it was more and less uh, come back to sidelines and, you know, like a holding penalty or something like yeah. that. You, you might get instructed on what to do different, you know, but uh, there was never really any sort of punishment after the fact. You were, you were involved in two of the most iconic football players and, and there've been a lot of football plays in Husker history. There've been a lot of them, but you were involved in the Hail Mary uh, pass. Uh, both these uh, uh, plays were in 2013 season, but we beat uh, Northwestern, uh, Jordan Westercamp. We had him. He was our first guest, by the way. Uh, we yeah. talked to him. And then, uh, and then uh, Tommy Armstrong's 99-yard touchdown pass to Quincy and Nunwa in the, in the Gator Bowl. Was that it? Yep. Yeah, yep. against yeah. Georgia. Um, can you take us through just what led up to those plays? So um, the Northwestern game, uh, most people obviously remember the Hail Mary, but truly what allowed that play to happen was the play before. Um, and hats off to Amir Abdullah because he, I mean, he 100% got, got us the first down, but it was fourth down. And if he didn't get the first down, we were done. I mean, game over and he barely made it, but he made it. And I'd have to say hats off to, uh, coach Fitzgerald for taking a timeout because he took the timeout and, uh, that allowed everyone to kind of relax, calm, you know, take a big deep breath. Okay, here we go. This is last play of the game. And because if he wouldn't have, we were actually going to try to attempt to run the hook and ladder. Right. And as you've probably seen over the years of college football at uh, outside Boise State in Oklahoma, it don't usually work. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but – Coach Fitzgerald took a timeout. We didn't have any timeouts. Um, so came over, and the coaches, they're all scramped. I mean, they're talking to us linemen like, once the ball's gone, you're running after the ball, and if you get it, you, you know, you run, you pitch. And, I mean, and then uh, Coach Pelini comes over and says, we're throwing it deep. That's all he said. Walked away. <laughs> so we come in, and I could have swore it felt like we were blocking forever until Kellogg <laughs> – got that ball off but then here's the <laughs> the thought that I had uh similar to a hook and ladder mindset but I seen the ball get thrown and I'm like you know what if there's a chance that he's not there I'm gonna be down there and I'm gonna catch that you know if he has to pitch it to someone I'm gonna be the guy and I'm gonna score so that was kind <laughs> of the, the mindset that <laughs> that I uh I I took off in uh started running uh, towards where the ball was thrown and 
as I'm running, I could see the line judge uh, stick his hand in the air after Westerkamp caught it. And from there, it was, I mean, pure celebration and uh, went from about the most exciting uh, thing I've ever been a part of to uh, a sheer panic because I was on the bottom. I happened to be actually on top of Westerkamp in the dog pile. And I, that it, it went, I mean, it was just so many people on top of you. It was hard to breathe and you kind of start panicking. Um, but, uh, and then the 99 yard, uh, touchdown by Anunwa. um, if you go back to the previous play, um, some would blame it, um, as, as coach Cotton and coach Garrison would always say, it's never the quarterback's fault is always the center's fault for bad snaps. And if you go back and watch that previous play, um, the snap that I had wasn't perfect, but it was catchable. Um, but Tommy had a little struggle handling it and hence as to why we ended up on the one yard line. Um, and then here we next play. And um, so when Anunwa got that, his uh, MVP of the game, you said, I said, you know, part of that, I think you kind of owe a little bit of that trophy to me. (laughs) If it wasn't for that, you know, a little bad snap, you wouldn't have had that 99 yard touchdown, you know, (laughs) but you know, you, you bring up those great plays. Um, Another play that sticks out in my mind. Now it was later on in the spring game and I actually wasn't my time of playing in the spring game was done, but would have been part of, uh, Jack Hoffman's uh, oh, 69 yeah. yard. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that, that probably was the, the coolest moment I have ever been a part of. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We might be doing a podcast uh, for teammates. Uh, they. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to talk to you about that after this grant, actually. She yeah. emailed me back. So. Yeah. 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 Um, the, uh, you know, the other thing that stands out to me, and you've been a loyal uh, supporter of Husker fans, salute the troops. You show up for autograph sessions. You show up for a golf scramble. Uh, and I, I really can't thank you enough for that. that is, and you brought a foursome with you this, this past uh, uh, scramble in June. And how did, where did your appreciation for the military, what, what are the, what's the genesis of that? Um, you know, I would have to say, I mean, uh, my grandpa was uh, U.S. Coast Guard, um, which is probably the least known yeah. or, yeah. Uh, but a uh, um, good friend of mine um, out here in Columbus, uh, he, he joined uh, the Army and was Airborne Infantry. Um, and just, I mean, if it wasn't for those folks, I mean, we wouldn't be able to sit here and have this conversation we wouldn't be able to do the things that we we enjoy um and sometimes we may take it uh for granted but uh you know it's just the small things i mean i was very fortunate to uh earn a scholarship and uh get a free education and play um at, at one of the most prestigious uh universities in you know college football um so i mean whatever i can do to just kind of you know, show gratitude to those. Um, I jump on it at any time that I can. 
Um, and I think it's, I mean, I think it's wonderful what salute to troops does. I mean, uh, bring in, I mean, we're in Nebraska. We only got, I mean, some would say volleyball too, but um, <laughs> yeah. it, I mean, we, 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 we live and breathe Husker football. I mean, um, so I think it's great to, to be able to bring um, those folks in and, and just show them a little bit of gratitude that, you know, there are people that do care and, um, you know, their, their time, their service isn't unappreciated. Um, so, yeah, and, and I believe it was about five, six years ago when CJ had done the first, uh, CJ right. Zimmer yeah. had done the first golf outing with you. Um, and then that following year, I think he had asked me to come on his, on his behalf. And then from there, I kind of, we, we connected and, uh, from there, I've just kind of been, I've always got, got it penciled in for next year already. I mean, awesome. it's something that, uh, I, I won't, I won't miss, uh, if I, if I can, uh, if I, if I, unless I'm gone on some sort of business, but, uh, I definitely will be there. Yeah, well, I, again, yeah. I thank you. Uh, just, I, I it, it is, it's, it means a lot to me and it means a lot, obviously to our men and women of the armed forces. So, uh, Thank you as always. Will? Yeah. Um, so after, after football, you went into business. I forget what, um, what are you, what are you doing now? Is that's a. So I'm a sales manager for a uh, road molding manufacturer, Snyder Industries. We're based out of Lincoln um, and we make, uh, we road mold poly tanks for various um, uses Um my my the division that I kind of manage is the ag side. So a lot of the tanks that I sell would be anywhere from I mean a small little eight gallon um, tank that sits on the back of a four wheeler all the way up to a twenty thousand gallon uh, storage tank. So um, travel the U.S. Um, primarily dealing with uh, the distributors that uh, sell our product and um, just make sure everything's going well there. Is there anything from your experience as a Husker player that like helped you with that? Uh, it, like made you not necessarily a better like salesman, but kind of like you're able to manage people better or something like that, being a center and like knowing how to manage the game uh, kind of translating over into the workplace. Um, I, I would say the biggest thing that probably is just, I mean, managing time. Um, you know, what's important, what's not important. Um, and, and I mean, as a college athlete, um, not just football, but just college athlete in general, I mean, it, it is, um, you have to want to do it because if you're just going to half-ass it, I mean, it's, it's not going to work out for you. Um, yeah. cause it is, I mean, it, it is a full-time job. Um, and I think that's, kind of what's definitely helped. And then just, I mean, being the cap or, you know, being captain of the old line per se, but, you know, being kind of that main focal point of the offensive line, I mean, you know, it, it, it allows um, in the sales world, you know, the ability to kind of take over and kind of lead, you know, lead per se and not necessarily be kind of just, stuck in the back and um, I guess let things go kind of, 
you know, take more control and really understand all facets of, um, as I said, as a center, you know, I mean, you, you end up learning what the tackle, the left guard, the right guard, and what everyone does. Um, so I think that translates over to there, but I would say the biggest thing is just uh, time management. We had, we, we've asked other people, other former players, uh, what they think of two of the big issues that, uh, that I see we have, we're kind of running out of time, I guess. I thought that was gosh, but NIL and transfer portal. Can you share that with your thoughts on that? Um, so transfer portal, I mean, I think both NIL and transfer portal had good intentions, um, on the, on the front side. Um, but the way I think that they've been applied have really lacked some forethought. Um, and, and I think NCAA has kind of hurt themselves in fighting it for so long that they really, I mean, there is no governing body, right? At the moment, I mean, I mean, NCAA is still there, but um, they really don't have, I mean, when the Supreme Court ruled 9-0 in the favor of the student, um, they, they really don't have any room to stand on at this point. But, um, you know, transfer portal, I mean, coaches, you know, they could take a new job. They can go anywhere. I mean, like I said, the force, the, the thought at first is great. I mean, you know, not every time – I mean, you're 18 years old, 17, 18 years old when you make a decision on where to go. And, you know, sometimes once you're there, you realize that maybe this isn't the best fit. And now you're punishing them for moving. I mean, so there, I mean, it, it there, there is some good, but now it's just come into, well, okay, it's not working out here. I'm going to go over there. Um, you know, it's really kind of taken away from the hard work and, and I mean, that's what Nebraska was really built on was kids coming in and not taking that no, I mean, and just saying, okay, well, I'm going to put my nose to the you know ground and I'm going to work. And, you know, they may only play one year, but that one year, I mean, meant everything. Um, and then the whole NIL, um, I mean, who would have ever thought, as you mentioned, my dad, he played uh, late seventies. Um, I mean, there was never, I mean, I think he said in his time period they got in his four years because he didn't redshirt. Um, I think he got one pair of shorts and maybe one, <laughs> one you know, one T-shirt. And I don't even think he got like tennis shoes. I mean, and wow. then here, I mean, in one year at the university, I mean, these we had like four or five pairs of tennis shoes. I mean, all the shorts that you could ever think of. I mean, shirts and sweatpants and this and that. Um, so to sit and think like the, the amount of money involved in not just college football, but college uh, athletics, um, it's crazy to think. But, um, you know, I mean, yeah, you are getting an education, but uh, a normal student, um, I mean, they can go, I mean, they can have a job and they can earn money and school doesn't restrict how much they can make. Um, so yeah. I, I think it's, I mean, I think the student athlete, deserves to get some of the, of the money that, uh, I mean, they're, that's being profited off of them. Um, but I always said it, even when I was playing, I mean, how do, how do you, how do you control it? 
Um, and I, and I think as we can see now, I mean, that's, that's the biggest issue right now is yep. uh, that there, there is no control. I mean, it's just wide open and um, obviously those who have the deepest pockets seem to be uh, um, gaining the most now, obviously just because um, they're a standout high school football player and they're making whatever the, the highest deals are these days I've heard anywhere from seven to eight million dollars yeah um yeah that doesn't correlate that the you know they're gonna be a great player um but it i mean it surely does help to um you know i i guess is you know you go back to the 90s and when we were i mean our second string was probably just as good um as our first string um so yeah, you had that sure. depth you had that depth so you know it, it definitely those programs that have deeper pockets and I'm not saying the schools but I'm saying the the alumni of the schools the the fan base themselves um that are willing to pay um you know it gives those programs I mean you look at of course you look at Alabama right now I mean Alabama's in a situation where I mean they're you might even say their third string is probably just as good as their first string. <laughs> yeah, that's true yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah that's uh um i just i i think it the student athlete needs to i mean they they have the right to earn the money it's just we're, we're to a point right now how do you how do you control it um so that's it's kind of the tough i guess question that I think we're moving towards. And as I mentioned, you know, NCAA, they fought it for so long. Um, how, how do you, you know, how do they come back in and try to start putting some governing actions um, when they tried to fight it? And I mean, like I said, you had the Supreme Court rule in the student athletes favor. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, Cole, thank you so much for coming on. That means uh, a lot to us. I'm sure everyone listening loved this. Um, and we, we'd love to have you on again sometime. We'll, we'll figure that out maybe during the season sometime. But, um, yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Uh, it was a pleasure to be on here. And uh, thanks again for what you guys do. And, Dan, thanks for what you do with uh, the salute to the troops. And um, I'm not sure if I've seen when you're doing the, the uh, uh, event for the away game this year, but uh, remember it's the weekend when we Nebraska goes to Michigan. So November 12th and 13th. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll take a look and I'll uh, follow up and let you know if I can be and, there and bring a bunch of your buddies with you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, we, yeah for sure. You. You've been so good. And uh, I, I really appreciate that. And, uh, and thanks again for being on our podcast. Uh, you're, you're a great American, my friend. Thank you, Dan. Um, thank you, Will. Awesome. Appreciate yeah, for you sure. for having me on. And uh, go big red. To awesome. Yeah. <laughs> go big red. <laughs> we will talk to you guys next week, uh, maybe with another guest, maybe just talking about what the season's going to be like. Um, but as always, this podcast is for you guys, not for us. Uh, it, it wouldn't be uh, so successful if you guys didn't listen. So thank you again for downloading every single week, listening. 
Um, and it, it just means, uh, it, it means a lot to us. And, uh, if you, if you haven't, make sure you leave a five-star review for us, uh, helps us out a lot, helps new people find the show and make sure, uh, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell everyone that, you know, uh, about the podcast, <laughs> spread the word, um, uh, we, we, we're going to take over the world, but, uh, no, not really, but anyway, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. And of course, as always, go big red. <laughs>